Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It is 5.09 here in the station. 70, excuse me, 75 degrees and partly sunny outside. So the temperature's gone down two degrees. We're back in our real studio today where the weather is uh, fine in here. So uh, I appreciate that. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Um, if you send me Facebook links on the chat, I cannot really get them because I can't open links on the chat. I could just read the chat. So uh, if you want to describe what you're sending me, I can do that. But uh, other than that, uh, really can't. Now, uh, the White House sent a letter, sends letter urging news outlets to ramp up scrutiny of the Biden impeachment inquiry. President Biden's White House has told America's news organizations, including CNN, The New York Times, and Fox News, to ramp up their scrutiny of House Republicans for opening an impeachment inquiry based on lies. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Tuesday ordered an impeachment inquiry into the president's alleged involvement in his son Hunter Biden's business deals in countries such as China and Ukraine. Through our investigations, we have found that the president Biden, found that President Biden did lie to the American people about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. The speaker charged claimed that these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Is it the White House's job, the White House's counsel job, to send letters to news organizations telling them to ramp up scrutiny on this issue? What are they afraid of? It's an impeachment inquiry. Committees are going to look into things. They're going to call witnesses. The Democrats get to call witnesses to refute those, wit those witnesses, those statements. They're going to produce bank records. The Democrats have a chance to dispute or question those bank records. What's the big deal? Look what they did with the previous um, impeachments. What did we find out afterwards on those impeachments? Everything that the Democrat House committees focused on as far as the January 6th issues, the prosecutor, the special prosecutor, never charged those charges. So I guess there was nothing to those impeachment inquiries so i don't expect this to go far they're not going to have the votes to both houses for this to go further than it is but it's the same thing that they did these are the rules that the democrats set up so why shouldn't we play by those same rules if you think it's valid or not that's irrelevant it's up to the evidence that's produced on the house floor in their committees and for the sides to debate that now, for them to say it's all based on lies, well, then how come they haven't answered the questions to a lot of these things? We have bank records. Bank records shows millions of dollars going to different family members than the Biden family. There's enough circumstantial evidence to show that Joe Biden was at least complicit in these dealings that Hunter Biden failed to pay taxes on, by the way where he was a passenger on Air Force Two. So there are questions that need to be answered, and that's what an impeachment inquiry is. It's to see if there's enough evidence to hold a vote to impeach him. 
the House will most likely do that. If they have the votes, they'll get that vote. It's not going to go much further after that. It's mostly to get things out there and give the other side a chance to dispute those rather than just outright say, there's no need for this. Because they did the same thing. These are the rules that they set up. These are the, this is the game that they wanted to play. And just like they've been told time and time again when it came to the Harry Reid nuclear option, you don't want to do this. This is not something you want to do. You're going to regret this when the seat of power changes. They did it anyway. And they regret it to this day. They set up a new form of rules, just like they attack with these criminal proceedings. If you don't think that there's going to be criminal proceedings with the Biden administration once they're out of office, you're out of your mind. This is the game that they set. These are the Marcus of Queensbury rules now. This is the way it's going to be until we get people in there that want to move on and do their job. The House, when Donald Trump was president, did nothing but chase Donald Trump. Now, if you listen to the Republicans on the Freedom Caucus, they're saying uh, Speaker McCarthy House has done very little but make himself the Speaker and okay Biden's spending plans. They have put him on notice as well. We might touch on that, you know, in this last hour here. To the point where Matt Gates got up on the House floor and simply said, hey, the agreement that puts you in this position, you're not upholding. And we, under that agreement, could do something about it. Again, I don't think he has the votes. I think it's an empty threat. But for the White House legal office to send letters urging news outlets to ramp up scrutiny of the Biden impeachment inquiry. Is it a misuse of power? Is that what they should really be doing? Inflation? The economy? China? North Korea? We're going to talk about North Korea and Russia, which has taken a step in a dangerous direction in the past 48 hours. Extremely dangerous direction. Yes, I wish that we were focusing on other things. We're going to hit a debt ceiling again. We're going to need a continuing resolution. The numbers came out now, our oil prices. Between now and the end of the year, we, we are facing very serious issues. And unless they get their act together and start working together, there's going to be another lines drawn in the sand. They have already have a group of Republicans that say they're not voting for continuing resolution unless they get concessions that they want. When not having that type of majority with not having the Senate majority, there needs to be compromise. Compromise is the only thing that gets things done. But when all you have is to draw your line in the sand to get your own party to do things and demand things, we'll have to see where this leads. Where it always leads is you and I paying for it. You and I getting the short end of the stick when nothing gets done in Washington. And like I said, what other job is there anywhere where people can do four decades, five decades in this type of job and, and still want to do it? I mean, I, I've on my, I'm on my third career now. I don't want to work for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, I'd like to sit back. I am enjoying what I'm doing now. I'm having a good time doing it. But it, this is something here that I don't want to do for another 30 years. 
but it seems politicians, representatives, senators don't want to leave their positions for some reason. And we have to start asking why, especially when they don't solve the difficult problems, especially when they don't even want to bring up the difficult positions, when they want to weaponize the difficult positions. It's their job to find answers to the difficult positions. We've talked about it, Social Security, Medicare, border security, our economy, foreign policy. These things are going to be at the forefront, probably not in that order. As far as foreign policy goes, we have wolves at the door. And again, we're going to talk about North Korea and Russia, which has taken an extreme turn in the past 48 hours, as far as their future cooperation and their pledges. Let's go to the phone now. We have... Uh, Dylan from Archibald on Biden. Dylan. Hi, how are you? Okay. Um, I have a question about uh, Biden not being at the 9-11 memorial this year. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about him being in Alaska and giving a speech there? I don't have the issue that a lot of people wanted to make it. Uh, he was he was on American soil. He was addressing troops. Um, I, I really... I, I don't think he would have benefited being at any of the sites to begin with. So um, I, I don't see it the issue that a lot of people do see it the issue of. Uh, like, I, I don't, as long as he was addressing troops, um, I, I have more issue with him saying that he was there the day after 9-11 and lying about that than he does about where he said it. That is very true. So, you know, you'll hear a lot of people say it was disgraceful. He shouldn't have he should have been at one of the sites. You know, the vice president was at Ground Zero. Um, you know, he was in Alaska speaking to troops. I don't see it as the the major offense that a lot of people are trying to make it to be. I, I think we have a lot more priority issues in front of us right now, today, and on that day on 9-11, the anniversary rather than where he's speaking. He was speaking in front of troops. You know, if it's troops in Alaska, if it's troops in New York, if it's troops in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, or if it's troops in, in the Pentagon, you know, he was still in a place where he should have been on 9-11 speaking to those people who put their lives on the line. So I, I take more offense to what he said that day rather to where he said it. I agree. And thank you for answering that. I appreciate it. All right, Dylan, I appreciate your call. Um, and I stand by that. And some people, you know, I might, I might offend people by saying that. Again, I, I do not, I, I do not have an issue. You know, if he was, if he was giving some major policy speech, or if he was, if he was somewhere and forgot about the event altogether, forgot about the day, if he didn't mention it, which we've had plenty of representatives and senators, you know, fail to to remember nine eleven. Um, I've pointed them out in years past. As it moves on, you know, so do I. But, again, I take more offense of him lying about his connection to that and his, his ability to continue to do that, to cater to the crowd. And I don't know if it's wanting to impress the people. I don't know if it's him just forgetting and not knowing that if he was there or not. I, I think I like to believe it's him trying to connect with the audience that he's speaking to, make a personal connection with them. But you're the president of the United States. You, you cannot lie about those issues. You know, I'm sure if he said, hey, I was there three weeks after, four weeks after, makes no difference to me if he was there the day after or four weeks after. He still made it a point as a senator from Delaware to go down there. And I don't know if he was there four weeks later.
But I'm just saying if he would have told the truth if he was down there or if he didn't go there altogether. I haven't been back to ground zero after it happened until 2020. It was the first time I was able to return. Basically because I left part of my soul there and couldn't return. And until I could, um, you know, that's just my prerogative. You know, if he came out and said, hey, it's too emotional for me. I just couldn't go down to ground zero. I couldn't go there after the fact. Uh, but I went there, you know, years later. That's fine for me. But the fact he has to lie about these things makes me wonder if he's catering to the crowd, if he wants to connect with the crowd, what is he doing when he's speaking to representatives from China? What is he doing when he's speaking to representatives from Iran? What is he doing when he's speaking to our European partners? Is he trying to cater to them and telling them what they want to hear or making up stories? That's dangerous. Not what he's talking about and where he's talking about it here on 9-11. Rob, it's, it was a guy who plagiarized his way through college. He did. Okay, and on speeches that he gave. He had to drop out of the 20, 2008 presidential campaign because he plagiarized. So to say that, you know, maybe he just forgot or didn't realize or whatever, I, I don't know. I, when we see the track record and the history, it should speak for itself. It seems we're a society where people will overlook and even defend that. Right, right. Um, you know, I found it very offensive when he stood in front of the Naval Academy graduation and said that he was admitted there. And, you know, my, 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 I have two kids who worked very hard to get there. And, and no, you weren't, sir. I'm sorry. Right. You, you never were offered well, admission there. You never did those things. And your, first, your first job as commander-in-chief to these 1,000 officers is to lie to them? Well, and I thought it was also very disrespectful to his son who died of cancer, to him, let alone the rest of the people who serve in the armed services for that lie. To continually well. lie and say it was an uh, you know a yeah. act of duty right. death, and uh, his son was brought home in a flag draped coffin, yeah. and, and such like that, and mm -hmm. to bring it up at every every time he speaks to a gold star family, it, it is. And at what point is enough enough? He does it so often. You know, is it just compulsive lying or is he trying to connect with who he's dealing with? I mean, I think it's a mixture of both because, like you said, he did plagiarize in college. The he did. history speaks for itself. Yeah, it does. You know, so you trying to connect is one thing, but then when you have a history of that's a totally different story. <laughs> There's no fine line between trying to connect and compulsive lying. So, yeah, 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 yeah it is. I don't You're think right. There's a fine line. You're, You're right. right. It's uh, 524 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And this Pentella data, internet traffic update has 81 southbound, dipping below 40 miles per hour, Scranton to the Montage Mountain Road, Davis Street exit. There was a hazard reported in the road on 309 northbound, the Cross Valley Expressway, just around the Kingston area. And you are bumper to bumper on North Blakely Street in Dunmore, as well as Kaiser Avenue in Scranton. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. W-I-L-K traffic. Now, before you go, Nikki, we have, we have a benefit this weekend for your yes, niece. Sunday? The, Sunday at the VFW in Berwick. VFW in Berwick. Right, right on Front Street. And my niece, uh, she was in here briefly yesterday. Although, I, I just want to say this really quick while you're here, or while you're here. Well, you know, I'm getting a lot of nice basket donations. They're wonderful, and I thank everybody who's made those. And we're, we're getting so many people coming forward, and I love that. Uh, this is a girl. It means so much to me that you're reaching out and and offering to help this girl not only does she have this diagnosis of, of uh, colorectal cancer which is spread already to her liver and lungs upon mm -hmm. diagnosis she watched her boyfriend die of brain cancer five years ago
uh, and she's been sharing some of those stories on Facebook now. She's opening up about that a little bit more, uh, which I think is part of her healing process, things that she learned, you know, sometimes wondering why. And she was just getting to this point where she could come to terms with that, that this has happened yeah. to her. So I really, really, really appreciate the love I am seeing from people in Northeast PA. And what time is this event on Sunday? It goes from noon until 6. Okay. All right. And we have Shaken playing, All That Glitters. These are all great bands. Too. Yeah. Uh, Light Up the Moon. They're an, they do some original music. They'll do some covers, too. But if you've ever heard, I encourage you to look up their original stuff online. They're really good. Shaken's doing the, the music of Eddie Money. They're really great. All That Glitters, a little bit of everything. Your ultimate, like... Uh, um, function band for when you're having uh, parties and stuff. That mm -hmm. is what all the, that glitters is. So it's really going to be a nice time. And tons of basket raffles, door prizes, bounce house, um, face painting, and whatever else we can throw in there. And really good food I'm hearing about. Uh, we, definitely, we definitely have pizza from Franco's out there. Then we're going to have some pulled pork barbecues, uh, sausage and peppers, that sort of stuff as well. All right. Well, but I'll be there, so I encourage all the listeners to come out and uh Help this young lady uh, get through this event. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about it again. Not a problem. I appreciate it. God bless. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, mainly clear, low 52. Tomorrow, sunny and a bit breezy, near 70. Friday, sunny, high 72. Saturday, partly sunny, high 72. Sunday, partly sunny, high 75. It's currently 75 degrees and partly sunny right now at 527 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It is 535 here at the station. 75 degrees and partly sunny out there. Well, I have the name of the United States Border Patrol BORTAC tactical canine that apprehended uh, Daniel Cavacante here in Pennsylvania. His name is Yoda. Yoda's the German Shepherd dog that is, again, is part of the BORTAC unit of the United States Border Patrol, and he was the one of the canines on the scene, but he is the, the German Shepherd dog that I posted in my photo earlier that apprehended the individual who was sent in, knowing he was armed with a rifle with the officers right on their tail, was able to take him down with really not much of an incident, you know, minor, minor injuries, but uh, Yoda is the German Shepherd dog that did that. Now, these dogs do extraordinary things. And uh, my thanks go out to all our canine handlers, both locally, nationally, and federally. They, they do outstanding work. I happen to have the honor of being friends with many canine handlers, past canine handlers, and the things they do, the training they have is just outrageous. They, they're part of this dog's life 24-7. They're out there doing uh, the things that need to be done, from our bloodhounds to our tracking dogs to our narcotics dogs to our missing persons dogs to our, uh, to our um, you know, Apprehension canines, they do outstanding work. And if you've seen some of the courses and obstacle courses and training they go through, and it's nonstop training. Every day is a training day when you have a canine. Whatever their discipline is, every day is a training day. Every day is keeping them sharp. Every day is waiting for a moment like they had this morning where they apprehended um, Daniello Cavacante. So great work by that. And again, my appreciation to all our canine handlers out there. And good boy, Yoda. Good boy. You did a good job today. Hopefully you're getting your steak this evening um, to reward you for that. Well, um, Apple had its big uh, event. 
and the main thing that uh the main thing that um you're going to see is uh basically what's a USB-C charger because uh, that's what they're moving to Apple is moving away from its in-house lightning charger and they're moving to this USB-C it does allow more power quicker it does allow more data to come through quicker so we'll be uh seeing them shortly I uh when I was living down in Annapolis, working in um, Alexandria, Virginia, I ended up buying an Oculus. It's the virtual reality headset that you put on, and that uses a USB-C, and it, it does charge quicker. It does uh, move data quicker, and it's it's a great thing. It's not a bad thing that it comes to, to us here uh, when it comes to Apple devices, but it'll be interesting to uh, make that turnover. You know, when they went from the headphones to the regular headphone jack the the small millimeter headphone jack to the lightning cable yeah that was a big deal because we i think we all have those headphones that are sitting around that still have that plug like a headphone that we're used to and now you have the lightning cable that connects so this is going to be the next step so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their headphones because our older phones the headphones connect via lightning cable so we'll we'll see what happens with that uh there were also uh Basically, Europe forced Apple to to do that because they said, um, you know, it needs to be universal or you're not going to sell your devices here anymore. And it forced them to make the move to this uh, USB-C device. And I, I think at first it's going to be a problem for us, but I think down the road we will appreciate that they move to this. Like I said, it does charge faster. It does move data faster. It is a better device. Let's go to the phones now. We have... a. Uh, Laureen Cummins from Old Forge on Ice Agents. Laureen. Hi, how you doing, Rob? Thanks for taking the call. No problem. Um, I was listening to your conversation coming down uh, from Scranton. I was in my car, and um, I know as a nurse we have to follow rules that are do no harm. So if we get an order from a physician, we generally have to follow that unless we feel that they're wrong, and then we don't have to follow that rule. Does that occur in Ice Agents as well, or how does that work, do you know? As far as what? Well, as far as following the law, <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're doing, if they're they're allowing illegal uh, immigrants to cross the border illegally, isn't that a part of their job to not allow that? <laughs> like, whose well, job is that well, to not allow them to come across? ICE agents aren't the border patrol, so they don't stop people from coming over. It's their job to go to the cities and apprehend them. And under this Thank administration, okay. what's been happening is they're being used as clerical people, so they're not doing that job. Plus, you have a lot of municipal agencies, a lot of cities, a lot of towns that have refused to work with ICE and have forbidden their police departments to work with ICE uh, to where they can't exchange information. I know with the NYPD, they're not allowed to exchange information with ICE agents anymore. They're not allowed to tell them they have someone in custody. Uh, so but, it's, but who's it's, stopping them from doing that, I guess, is my question. Who's stopping who? Who's stopping uh, police from communicating with ICE? Well, if you're if you're defying a department policy to not contact them, you face disciplinary actions and, and termination. Well, who's re, who's changing those policies? Because I'm that's my question. I guess that, that you're the best person to answer that. Who would change those rules? Like, wasn't the initial rule to turn them into ICE? So then, who would be changing? It's, those it's policies? not a rule. It's the policy of that department to. It was the policy of most departments in the country to cooperate with ICE when they had someone who was committed a crime, minor crimes mostly, because right. you know more serious felony crimes. They do prosecute here and they do keep them here, but 
you know, what, where ICE agents are, basically it's a runaround that the administration's using. They're keeping them busy doing other things. They're demoralizing mm-hmm. them to where they're leaving in droves. There's really no enforcement from ICE in our country right now anyway because they're using them as paper pushers to process all these people that are coming in. So they're not out doing enforcement. And that's on a federal I level. And I as far as our, our cities, you know, it's the policies that dictate that because, you know, local police departments, it's, it's a policy. It's not a rule. It's not a law that you must unless our legislatures want to start getting together and say, yes, our police departments must uh, contact ICE when it comes to X, Y and Z. That doesn't exist. That law is not codified. So it's up to department policy. And you have cities like New York, where the administration, cities like Philadelphia, where the administrations say, hey, we will not. And you have small towns that say, you know, with their progressive liberal mayors or, 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 or supervisors that say, no, you know, it's my policy that our police department does not cooperate with ICE. And through that policy, if they do, they will be disciplined, terminated and fired. And who, how would we find out if our local mayors or how do we find out if that was changed? How, how do the people go about helping the police to do their job that they should have been doing? Because that's, that's, that's what happened in the medical field, too. I mean, nurses were getting fired um, for speaking out about things that happened during COVID. And they were also getting fired for not getting vaccines and all this kind of crazy stuff. And that's why we have such a nursing shortage, because co- nurses just would not. You know, they just do no harm, so they'd quit. They wouldn't. They wouldn't stay there. Yeah, and, and the same and thing is I happening in law enforcement happen. and with immigration. And the best thing to start, the best way to start there is contact your your law enforcement agencies or your cities and with a freedom of information request and say what's your policy when it comes to ICE. That that's a really good uh, point, and I, I hope people do that. I know a lot of people listen to your show because um, I just saw a video online yesterday. I don't know what it had to do with, but back in 2020, the video was taken where someone was right on Courthouse Square, which is the county's responsibility, so the sheriff should be watching that. And they were literally ha- taking a bowel movement right on broad daylight on county, Lackawanna County Courthouse Square. And, you know, we've seen this out in California and Philly. Uh, it's coming here. And if people oh, don't it's, it's already you just said it's already, it's already here, Lorraine. It's, it's yeah, already I here. Mean, and we, we it's it's the elections have consequences. We've seen what it's doing to our larger cities. It's going to start hitting cities. It's hitting some of our cities here with these progressive policies. Lorraine, I'm going to have to I leave agree, it there. I'm up against traffic thank and you. weather. Thank, thank you. you. It's uh, 543 here at W and very valid questions. But and uh, we'll continue to talk about them. It's uh, 543 here. It's time for traffic and weather. This traffic update is brought to you by Penteladata Internet. There is some slowing 81 southbound between the Dunmore area and Montage Mountain Road. So you might be going under 35, 40 miles an hour. We also have um, some heavy traffic on North Main Street in Pittston and on Blakely Street in Dunmore. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, mainly clear, low 52 and the high 40s in the upper areas of our listening area. Tomorrow, sunny and a bit breezy, high near 70. Friday, sunny, high 72. Saturday, partly sunny, high 72. Sunday, partly sunny, high 75. It's currently 75 right now and partly sunny at 545 here at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 549 here in the station, 75 degrees and partly sunny. Got a text message. Rob, sorry if someone asked this already, but what happened to the homeowner that shot at the fugitive? Was he arrested? Sad, but that's what happens these days. No, he was not. He was actually commended by law enforcement for attempting 
to uh, defend his property and take down the uh, suspect who removed a rifle that was in his locked garage. So, uh, yes, no, facing no charges whatsoever. It was justified there. Let me go to the phones to uh, see. Let me go. Hang on, Chris. I got Krista from Dushore on Cavalcante. Dushore, how are you doing, Krista? Krista, you I'm there? I'm good. How are okay. you? I got you now. There you are. Yeah, yeah. So so I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I, I don't really follow the news, but I had taken note that he was captured this morning, and then there was backlash. People are making comments that the police took a photo with the fugitive. I mean, I feel like they had all right to do so. They finally captured somebody who is not just a one-time murderer but i feel i understand he was a he's a two-time murderer yeah the first question and i actually commented on it on my social media the first comment during the press conference now here here's somebody who who shot somebody multiple times in brazil stabbed his girlfriend 38 times in front of her children here escaped from prison uh is here illegally He's captured after two weeks. He's armed and dangerous. The first question asked by the press was, uh, you know, why did the group take a picture with him after they captured him? And and it's many. And and, and Lieutenant Bevins, the the commanding the the person in charge from the Pennsylvania State Police, gave a great answer. I have no problem with it. These guys were working 14, 16 hour shifts, giving their all to find him. I have no issue with them taking the photo. But the photo sends many messages. And and, and you know they asked why they do this. A lot of times when I was a detective in New York, they asked why you why do you do the walkout of the the suspect after you arrest him and the media is all there when you come out and you're next to him walking them to the car. It sends a message to other criminals. It sends a message to other fugitives. It sends a a message internationally here from America to everywhere else where these people are coming from. If you do things like this, if you commit these crimes here, even if you escape from our judicial system, even if you escape from our prisons, we will hunt you down and we will find you. And that's what that message sends. And a lot of people look at it and say, oh, look, the police were just bragging. Uh, you know, they were just trying to show off. No, they weren't. They were sending a message that if you break right. our laws here, we are going to stop at nothing to apprehend you, to find you, and bring you back to justice. Absolutely. I feel the same way. And that, that should be the message that it sends to everybody. It should, but there's people out there that just want to blame the police, just want to point fingers at the police, just like there's people who lived in that community whose very lives were most likely in danger complaining about the police roadblocks, complaining about getting stopped all the time when they were trying to come and go to their residences. You know, you just can't make everybody happy in a situation like this. But look, it took two weeks. They had the outer perimeter sealed, and no one was injured at the end. Absolutely, and that's the most important part, and everybody's safe now. It is. It is. I appreciate your call, Krista. Thanks for checking in. Thank you. You have a good night, sir. You too. Thank you. Uh, let's go to the phone again. We have uh, Veronica from Scranton on immigration. Veronica. Hi. I just want to know your thoughts on immigration uh, due to the event of um, this fugitive being uh, illegal. I, I think we need to strengthen our border protection. I think we need to revamp our system to where it welcomes. We, we are a nation of immigrants. That's just the way it's always been. There are plenty of law-abiding immigrants that are here, and we should welcome. But the system we have now is broken. It needs to be fixed. We need to vet individuals. So someone like this who was wanted for a murder, and again, Brazil never put him in the system, so it's it's kind of on their end. 
But even after we knew someone like this existed, to have assets out there searching for a violent murderer from another country to remove them from this country, even if he wasn't charged with a crime here. So I think our, our, our elected officials have a lot of work to do to fix our system. I don't think we should be going around from city to city, rounding up everyone who's been here for, for years, if not decades, who have had families here, and uproot them. I think there needs to be some kind of system to... Uh, you know, some kind of penalty or some kind of fine or some kind of system to reincorporate them into the area. But people like this who are here illegally, this open border system that we have now where it's just flooding in needs to change. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you for checking in. Bye-bye. You too. Um, I wanted to get to this story real quick because I kind of mentioned it earlier, but North Korea's Kim Jong-un was uh, in Russia. He took his famous train up there to meet with Vladimir Putin. And basically, he's vowed full and unconditional support to Russia, to Vladimir Putin, and Moscow in Russia. And in return, Russia President Vladimir Putin had taken North Korea's Kim Jong-un on uh, tours of their missile factories, of their space program of their ballistic factories and from what all accounts is there were a lot of questions asked by the north korea regime on how to produce these how to do this now north korea has been supporting russia with a lot of their munitions in the ukraine war but this this full and unconditional support that's how it was translated full and unconditional support Changes the game, changes things tremendously. Now, Russia's in a bad place. North Korea is normally in a bad place, but North Korea likes to, to uh, rattle their saber every now and then to show the world that they're still there and they're still a more formidable uh, entity, which they're truly not. Most of their missiles end up in the water because they failed anyway. But they are a nuclear power. The fact that this un, full and unconditional support pledge has come from North Korea's Kim Jong-un is twofold. It shows his de desperation. It shows this new partnership that they're trying to flourish, as well as Russia's. It shows Russia's need to grasp on to regimes like North Korea, where in the past they were the power. They were the ones that didn't need the support. People needed their support. So with everything, all the talk we have with China being an issue, Russia being an issue, North Korea being an issue, this, these two issues teaming up, Russia and North Korea, is a problem that we need to monitor. We need to monitor it um, thoroughly. And, um, you know, I might get someone on to talk about this more more fully that has, a, you know, a military intelligence background to, to come to the details in this. But reading this full and unconditional support as the quote scares the hell out of me, and it should concern you as well. It's 5.57 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show. I just want to clear up some text messages I got before I close out the show today. Somebody asked, is North Korean troops fighting against Ukraine? No, North Korea is providing munitions to Russia as far as shells and artillery shells and such like that. I also got another one saying, uh, Rob, I'm assuming Yoda had a bulletproof vest, but do all police dogs currently have a police vest, a bulletproof vest? And if not, where we can make donations? You could check with your local department if they have a canine and ask them if their dog has a bulletproof vest. I know the federal canines do. Most larger cities' canines do. 
but not all canines have bullet-resistant vests for their canine. So you can contact your local and see if they need one and maybe start a fundraiser to get them one. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. That's it for this Wednesday, September 13th. We'll do it again tomorrow.